Not everyone just had this monumental shift in their life where all of a sudden one day they wake up and they're a different person. You know, like very often it's not like that. Very often it's messy and it's like you're climbing one summit to realize that the summit in front of you is twice as big and sometimes you might fall down a valley when you thought that you were at the top. That's the game. That's life, man. You know, and so like that's from from butcher to finishing my nutrition degree, that's basically that kind of roller coaster that I went on. Welcome to the Vegan Manly Man Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jake Singer, and I'm your host for the Vegan Manly Man podcast, the show where we talk about self-growth, plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. On today's show, we will dive deep into the mind and hear the incredible story of somebody who I look up to and respect tremendously. He's a former butcher who had fallen ill to several mental shortcomings, including bipolar disorder, ADHD, and severe anxiety. Through perseverance and self-reflection, he turned his life around, moved halfway across the world, and became a vegan bodybuilder and plant-based nutritionist. Dedicated to helping others make their own transformations, he now runs the online fitness and nutrition platform Evolving Alpha with his wife, Lauren, eight companion animals, and newest addition, Baby Zia. I am incredibly honored and humbled to have this guest on the show, so please welcome Fraser Bailey. Dude. That was an intro, all right? Thank you, man. <laughs> I love it, bro. <laughs> you are wow. you are well deserving of it. So thank you, thank you, man. Absolutely, Good to be here. yeah. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show, man. Not only do I consider you uh, one of my inspirations, but I know for many others as well, you have instilled tremendous growth and and transformation. I'm really excited for you to be able to share your insights for everyone listening. For sure, man. Let's dive in, bro. Let's dive in. Cool. Well, I want to start by asking a pretty deep question, and then we're going to kind of deconstruct uh, your answer and see how you got there. So what is your mission statement for life? What do you want your legacy to be? You know, man, I, I thought about that one and, and it's it's a hard one because I found that as I've I've grown and I've evolved through my own journey that my mission statement also seems to evolve with that with that next level of awareness. And I think more than anything, for me coming from where I have and we'll obviously, you know, talk about that more and to where I am now mission statements more so to recognize that anyone out there, no matter where you're at, like my, I guess my thing is I want to help people discover that person in them that they knew they could always be, but there was just so much layers of societal um, garbage and societal noise and cultural noise and um, things that were taken from them without them knowing, like psychologically growing up is, you know, you can't be this, you should fit into this box. And because of that, I think we just create such a divide within ourselves that a lot of us just feel really miserable and we're not fulfilled and we're not happy. And the money and the social media exposure and stuff does not fill that gap. And for me, helping people understand that and creating the type of discussion to the table where it's okay to talk about masculinity from a vegan perspective and it's okay to talk about male vulnerability and all these other discussions that I think are actually the key. And so for me, that legacy is really just bringing those discussions to the table because in one, I feel like I help heal myself when I talk about those things and I give the you know, give the microphone to other people to give them the chance to then talk about them as well. And I can see the healing process in them. And man, I can't tell you enough, like when I see people 
who express themselves to me like that um, because I shared my story. It just reminds me like why I do what I do. So, you know, that's part, it's a huge part of like the type of things I want to be remembered for. Right. Right. That's amazing. And uh, I, I think that it's, it's really a common theme that I've seen from a lot of people who seem to be self-aware and conscious people is that they, they want to inspire people to be them best selves, their best selves. Because I think people who have gone through this transformation of being influenced by these outside factors of society telling them what they can and can't do. And when they break through that, they understand how powerful it is to really dive into these topics and understand who they are. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, it's like coming full circle. You know, you, you venture out into the world hoping to find yourself only to sort of return home and recognize that that person that was that you recognized early on as like a child, that was like the real you. And, right. And, you know, like you almost have to go through this journey of self discovery of exhausting options and <laughs> traveling to far corners of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> only to realize that so much of like your happiness and peace and mental well being, like, was something that was with you now, you know, as cliche as, cliche as that sounds. Right. No, it, it's a very liberating feeling to understand that concept and understand that no matter where you are, you can always find home within yourself. And I think more people need to realize that because once, once you establish that, once you find that home within yourself, that is, that lays your groundwork for everything else that you want to do. And it just, I mean, to put it in a, I, I guess a less, hippy dippy way yeah uh you know it's it's just finding that self-love you know when you're able to find yourself love you know you can't pour from an empty cup you have to fill up your cup first and then you can pour out onto all these other things that you want to do so i think that's so important totally man so tell me a little bit about kind of your backstory let's let's get to understand how you came to these revelations obviously it was not a easy <laughs> journey if anyone has heard your story uh, i know you've shared it a few times on some different podcasts and whatnot but for anyone that doesn't know you have an incredible story of transformation uh coming from kind of a, a troubled youth background and then and then turning your life around so thank you man yeah you know and, and it's funny because i don't really I got to the point now where I don't even think about it a lot until I have these discussions with, with people and it all comes back to me and it's a reminder of like, well, like, you know, a lot of the work that I have put in really does pay off. You know, very often we wonder like, does all this, um, does all this, you know, gratitude practice and all these personal development books and all this learning and all these aspects of self discovery, does this actually equate to like real world change? And, um, so for me, seeing that is, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It feels good. And so like f- early on, you know, I'm originally from New Zealand and living in the American now. And from a very early age, man, I had a lot of issues. I would say, you know, growing up, um, my parents had a lot of um, disagreements between them. They ended up divorcing when I was very young. Um, my mother had some drug problems and she also had um, a lot of mental health issues and she actually ended up being in like a mental health hospital for a few years um, where we would only see her in the holidays basically um, and it was hard for me at that age to understand what happened to her you know like I didn't 
I didn't really comprehend mental health at that age. I was only probably five, six years old. Sure. And so all I knew was that she wasn't well and that she was away. And so my dad was working to support us in a new big city. And so he was off a lot. So we had uh, a nanny who would sort of look after us. And so we didn't have a lot of sort of parental role models close to us early on, even though they both meant well and they both, you know, I'm close to them now. And, you know, there's been times where there's a lot of tension and stuff, but I do think that early sort of childhood probably set me on a course for being more susceptible to mental health problems. And then I remember as early as like 11 years old, really having issues in terms of my mood. And, you know, I mean, it's, it seems to be more and more common now in, in young people, you know, 10 and 11, but when I, I'm 34 next month. So like for me, that was, it was sort of back then it wasn't quite as common. And I remember just having, you know, these ongoing issues. So, you know, to cut like a long story short from the age of about 10 or 11, all the way through to, I would say probably 21 years old. So over 10 years, probably about 10 plus years, I had it just escalated. It escalated and it spiraled. So it went from just sort of mild depression and mood disorders all the way to full-blown sort of bipolar and like really massive mood swings, um, a lot of substance abuse and even like, you know, suicide attempts where when I say that, I say it more lightly in the sense that I know I know that I didn't intend to actually do it. Um, it was more like um, I'm going to like, scream from the rooftops and like get someone's attention because I'm in so much pain. Um, and then obviously dealing with, you know, severe social anxiety to the point where I was trying to study in college and I literally just dropped out with $50,000 of student debt um, because I was too anxious to get on the bus to ride into campus. Um, I mean, that's just, if that's not rational, I don't know what is, you know? And so like, um, and so that coupled with ADHD, so a learning disability, um, I felt like in school, I, I, you know, I was one of those kids who got A's for effort and, and C's for achievement. I just felt stupid. And, um, you know, I didn't recognize at the time that it was partly just the school system, like trying to force a certain type of personality that might respond better to different formats of learning um, into uh, an old school system. And so, I really struggled. Like I didn't do well in school. I didn't seem to have uh, good relationships with other people. Um, and so you add to that, f- those layers, um, working in a butchery part-time after school um, as a student and then dropping out of school to become full-time apprentice in a butchery. It was kind of like dumping gasoline on a fire basically. So that's really like that in, in a summary that's really sort of where I began wow so and that's a uh, that's crazy that at 11 years old you were starting to have these feelings because that's really young and yeah. like you said today it's it's more common which I think is kind of a combination of of the food system and all these chemicals that are introduced to undoubtedly man. Uh, our children at a young age I mean that's Maybe maybe some people are up in there about that, but I I feel pretty strongly about it. that. Yeah, I mean look at look at what the kids eat for. I mean one know, of the lunchtime. things 
Do you? I mean, one of the things that I realized um, straight out of the gate is when I look back at my mental health when I was struggling, I look at my diet and it was terrible. It was like nothing but processed junk food. And I really do think now having become a nutritionist and studying this as part of my livelihood, I definitely believe that the food is information and that it's like software in our system. So like our body is hardware, right? And food is software. It's basically the operating systems. And so if we we either put viruses into our operating system or we put productive software that actually gets tasks done. And so food is the same. And so if you're putting processed sugars and junk into your system, you're going to set yourself up for negative hormonal and negative neurotransmitter production, which is going to massively impact your mental health and your attention spans and your mood. Um, So I truly think like you were saying, the the food system has definitely got worse as we've developed. And I think that's a huge part of it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's no fault to the children because they don't know any better, you know, it's, and, and, and most of the time the parents don't either. And, and that's the problem. And, uh, kind of you know what a lot of people are trying to fix i know there's a lot of initiatives to get uh, healthier options in schools um and have them be affordable as well but absolutely man that's uh, that's insane and you know at 11 years old that's you know i i feel for you that that's tough to to be a young kid you're supposed to be enjoying your childhood during that time and have those things going on did you at that young age were you put on medication then or was it a little bit later on it was a little bit later on. I remember going to get some counseling at first and then it sort of just, it would proliferate more and more and more. And I found that what happened was the more I got into high school, the more of the that, those social pressures of like, you know, fitting in and um, being in the in crowd or looking a certain way or, you know, having respect from your peers that sort of was like the catalyst for more mental health problems. Cause I already came into, you know, um, high school with those issues. And then when you add all that extra pressure on top of that, of like, you know, fitting in and, and all these other things, you know, like, and I went to extreme lengths to try and make that happen. I don't know for whatever reason, um, you know, you could go back and maybe can contemplate the fact that you know um maybe i felt like abandoned as a child when i was younger and then you know i was always looking for comfort in people and i i I feared this abandonment um and i remember even taking it to the lengths where like we had a school social which is like a dance and just to fit in with the cool crowd i literally drank um from memory probably like three quarters of a 40 ounce of dry gin um, at the age of like 15 yeah and and this was on school premises like after school and they were and they were all um laughing and they thought it was great at the time and then i just completely got comatose and i was vomiting everywhere and the the school principal ended up finding me and the whole thing happened where um, a whole bunch of the students got expelled because they ended up getting caught smoking cannabis but i didn't have the cannabis so i didn't get expelled and then i had to go back into school and everyone thought it was me right everyone thought every and so like i was this kid who like was completely outcasted and just everyone thought I was a snitch and um it dude it was just some of those years like the the anxiety even comes back just talking about it um and so I definitely was more motivated to leave school young 
because I was like, you know what? Like I have nothing but anxiety here. And I know a lot of kids growing up, man. I mean, you see a lot of bullying in school now and it makes it worse with social media. Like back then we didn't, back then we didn't have social media um, at, when I was in my teens to where you could just jump on and harass someone 24 hours a day. Like if you had their phone number, you could send them some messages and maybe get them that way. But that wasn't even a a super common thing yet then. And so the only time you would get harassed would be during school hours. And then at least you could get some salvation once you left school. Right. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, now with the fact that it's a 24 seven thing that I think that's a massive reason why mental health and young people has got worse because there is no off switch. No, there isn't. There isn't. Yeah. And and that's uh, just in, in life in general with mental health, um, with r- relationships, you know, uh, break up yep. stuff like that. It, there's no, yeah. like you said, there's no off switch. There's no, there's no off switch from receiving constant information 24 seven at your fingertips, whether it's, you know, seeing, seeing a recent ex online, seeing what they're doing or seeing, you know, the most recent school shooting on the news, there is no off switch. And mentally people have really, I don't think we've adapted yet to be able to, you know, process this much information in such a short amount of time. And I know as somebody myself who is very susceptible to depression, I've been through it. I'm an empath. So when I see these things, it's very easy for me to get into that down state. And that's why, you know, through my daily practices, I've really had to try hard over the last three, four, five years. Um, you know, I really got severely depressed when I was about 23. I'm 27 now. So like over the last four years, I've really had to on a daily basis, you know, practice things that have kept me out of that place because we're in this age of information now where I'm I'm seeing constantly all these negative things that are happening in the world or I'm seeing, you know, people online who are kind of these keyboard warriors who are just, you know, saying these nasty things to other people yeah. or, you know, when I would go through a breakup, I would see my ex's stuff online and and not be able to get away from it and kind of have to relive that trauma. So I think more than ever, it's so important that people have to realize, you know, mental health is, is something that we have to practice daily, just like, like exercising. That's one of the things that I always say to people, man, I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more is that often people will say, well, I tried to do a gratitude journal or a post or I tried to do XYZ or I tried to read this book and it didn't work and I'm like you're not going to go to the gym and lift weights for a week and get in shape like just because you can't see it happening doesn't mean that something is not changing in you and and I think that practice like you were saying and becoming really intentional about how you filter your cyber world too because like like you were saying being a natural empath like like myself too like an INFJ personality type for me as well so like for those people who don't know there's a test called Myers-Briggs and it basically breaks personality types down and so INFJ tends to be like this sort of hyper empath like a highly sensitive person and so you basically can take on you feel everyone's emotions and you take on people's emotional states and it's like a filter. You're like a charcoal, charcoal filter. So you don't have, you have a very poor ability to regulate like basically stimulus that is coming into your senses. And so 
on one hand, it makes empaths like very powerful in the sense that they're very intuitive and they're very good at like potentially like leading people with emotion. But at the same time, if they don't moderate and like you said, daily practice of refining your filter, like you end up letting the floodgate open and that's when all the bad stimulus comes in too. Um, and it took me a long time to recognize that and really truly keep refining it. And like you were saying, it truly does come back to a daily practice. Like even at 33 years old now, there's, I still have to do it as a daily practice. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, uh, yeah, it's just like, like you said, like working out uh, in the gym. If you stop working out, you're going to, you're going to lose muscle mass. You're going to gain fat. Right. And so if yeah. you stop practicing these, uh, these daily, daily things for mental health, the same thing is going to happen. Your, your state of mind is going to deteriorate and it ties into the food that you're eating. It ties into, you know, how you're conducting your day. Are you waking up and, and in a good state right off the bat? Are you, you know, being grateful for the things you have, or are you immediately worried? Are you immediately doing, you know, these things that produce these, these negative outcomes that are going to set you off on your whole day. So it, it really is so important. And, and yeah, and, and I've, I've just, I've seen the effects over, over the past four years for myself at my worst, when I was severely depressed at, at 23, you know, I'd wake up every day for about four months. Um, thoughts of suicide. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the worst that it got is I remember, I remember being at my parents' house and, and my family was there and I think, I think someone else was there and, you know, it was kind of like a social gathering and I, I literally went upstairs and sat on the floor and stared at a wall for three hours. And when I tell you that I literally had no thoughts run through my mind, I mean, it was just like blank. blank. I had nothing. Yeah. I had nothing. I had nothing to yeah. give. And it got to the point after four months where, you know, my fear of living in this state uh, was greater than the fear of doing what it was going to take to change. So I I made that change. And I I specifically remember one night I just said enough, enough. Mm. I can't live like this anymore. I was, I was, you know, I was drinking, I was drinking every single night. I was getting high every night and I was just numbing the pain and I was doing nothing to improve that situation. And I finally said, I never want to feel this way again. And so over the next four years, you know, when I would deal with, with rough situations and I would feel myself starting, starting to slip back into kind of those patterns, but now I was aware of it and now I could kind of catch it and, and get better again before it got too worse. And so every single time I would feel myself starting to slip, you know, I would remember what I've learned over the years and just apply that. And now it gets to the point where when I have even, you know, one negative thought, I can observe it objectively and let it go. That's not to say I don't have bad days. Everyone does, but yeah, I'm, I'm at a much stronger place now where on a daily basis I can, I can create my own happiness. And people are like, you're so happy all the time. You're so positive. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's cause I've been through some shit, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. and, and you know, one of the things that like I want to put forward to the listeners also is like, a lot of people who are happy might wake up in a bad state, but they go through a series mm. of processes and rituals that get them out of that hole. Right. And, you know, like for me, like that's one of my realities. It's like a lot, many times I will wake up and I don't feel like motivated or I don't feel happy about like certain things in my life. And I literally have to go through like a, a checklist of rituals and things that will help 
change my state. And so like, I think one of the things that happens with people is they think either happiness is just something you land on by accident, or they think that it's just something that is reserved for only people who are just inherently like that. And one of the things I want people to realize is that like you can wake up in a bad state and you can still start the day on a good foot. If you have enough good tools in your tool belt to help you shift from that bad state. And so like, that's one of being my practices every day, man, is like, there'll be days like you were saying, like where I wake up and I'm like, man, I do not want to do a thing today. Like I, I just like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to do nothing. And then I'm like, I recognize those detrimental thought patterns and I go through like some of the morning rituals I have. And, and a lot of people might think that's just like some woo woo stuff. But one of the things I recognize is it's like you're priming yourself for a different cognitive function. And like if you just basically hope that you'll land on happiness, often you won't hit it. You have to like like you said, you have to practice gratitude and reframing your challenges and basically like reframing the way you approach it to recognize that you have the ability to change almost anything in your life that you're not you're not as much of a victim to circumstances as you, you often think and that's one of the things that i've had to do you know yeah absolutely it's we really we really hold so much power than we realize and and one of the things you said is is using tools and i think that that's so important i mean just in my room i have i have a board that is on the wall and it's right below a window. So when I wake up, I can sit on my bed, I can look at this board and the way that the angle is, I just see the sky out through the window. <laughs> I so I can see the sky and I can see the board and on the board, um, it's just a, a couple sentences. You know, the first one is today you leave a legacy. The second one is remember the goal. The third one is be relentless. And the fourth one is live the life you were meant to lead. And some days I wake up and like you said, I don't want to do anything. And I sit and I look at that, I look at that board and those words, those are triggers for me because there's times in my life and this goes for, for anyone where you're going to be motivated, right? You're, you're going to be like fired up. You're going to be ready to go do something. And, and you might, you might see these words, you know, in those situations, like you're fired up and, and then you go watch an inspirational video online and you see someone <laughs> saying like, today you leave a legacy you're like yeah fuck yeah you know and it's just, <laughs> yeah yeah and so like in so your your brain like ties that together and so on those days where you're not feeling it and you wake up and then you see those things you just you remember you're just like oh wait yeah like i'm yeah i'm fired up to do this like yeah this i'm i'm inspired you know because you're not going to be inspired every day dude i would i would say most to be honest with you most days you're not going to wake up inspired. You no. have to engineer, you literally have to engineer that state. And so like what I want people to realize is that most of us just fall into like unconscious, like rituals and routines. So we like have the coffee or we have, we do X, Y, Z and there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things, but they happen more by accident and more emotionally. So like it's something to like, f to, to fulfill an immediate, sense of gratification as opposed to like being strategic. Right. And so we'll do things to artificially engineer more energy, like tons and tons of caffeine or lots of sugar. And we won't get present. We won't slow down. We'll play like, you know, talkback radio on in the car and listen to like shootings and bombings, but we won't play personal development content or podcasts. Mm -hmm. And 
one of the things that I think is super important is like engineering, consciously engineering those routines. Like I look back, I often make comparisons back to my old life when, you know, when I was that butcher and I had no consciously constructed morning routine. I would get up, I would literally scrounge through an ashtray of cigarette butts and then I would butt roll a cigarette from the butts because I didn't even have enough money to get more cigarettes. Wow. And I was, so I would butt roll a combination of old burned out cigarettes and I would sit there and I would eat like there's this thing in New Zealand and Australia called Milo and it's like chocolate drinking mix. And because I almost, I would, I wasn't even like, it's not that I was like in poverty financially, but my, my mind was in poverty to the point where my money would go towards alcohol, drugs, and cigarettes, and I would have no money for food. And so I would get up in the morning and part of my morning routine was like eating like a cup of Milo and like with a little bit of water and that would make like this chocolate pudding stuff. And so I, and I, and I would do things like that. And then I remember in the evening, sometimes I would get home, have no money for food. So I would like mix like water with flour and salt and try and make my own dough bread or um, I picked through the trash. Literally, this is a literal story of like my mental poverty where I would pick through the trash in my kitchen from a packet of fries that I'd eaten in the weekend and I threw them in the trash and they were like three days old and I dug to the bottom, found them and I ate them for dinner. Wow. And people are like, man, like were you were just poor. And it's like, I wasn't even, I mean, I wasn't by any means like, financially stable but i was i had so much poverty in my mind that my priorities were so skewed that my morning and evening routines looked like that and so when and when you look at like all the little variables that co-found and co compound together it really does explain a lot of like my struggles is that there was nothing that was intentionally positive about what i was doing it was a lot of emotional things and it was a lot of addictive things mm -hmm. And so now, man, that's why I'm so big into becoming more intentional about routines. And it's not because like I want to be this personal development freak and just like, you know, be all rah-rah. It's because I recognize that the, in there lies a lot of our potential, you know, in there lies a lot of our ability to like break through a lot of the situations we see in our life that keep recurring. Um, it's in the details, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think subconsciously we do a lot of things that we don't realize are affecting us negatively. And that's kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, being being this uh, this troubled youth and then going to work in in the butcher shop. I mean, that just doesn't seem like it was, I don't know, when I think of a butcher shop, you know, even, even pre-vegan, I I, I didn't think of like, you know, like this, some like happy place, you know, I kind of thought of this very like, you know, toxic male environment. And it's, it's funny because when, often when I reflect on that, I'm like, you know, what was, what was the cause of that? Like was, did my mental health spiral downward more because of the toxic work environment that I was in or was it the toxic work environment that was like triggering my mental health or, you know, what was, what was I, was I drawn to that in some way? Like, and I think there's definitely a push and pull there where I think initially I fell into it because after school, when I applied 
there as a job to get some money after school, they typically would put a lot of, and this is funny, man, this comes back to this masculinity paradigm in society where they would typically put a lot of the men, I wouldn't even call them men, like teenagers to boys in more of the sort of like dirty, like hard working departments like seafood, butchery, deli, where, you know, they had to lift heavy boxes and do clean up blood and dirty things and all that stuff. And they would put a lot of the young girls in like checkout and customer service roles. Right. And so you didn't see many guys in customer service roles and you see very few females in like these other departments. And so straight away, I think they, you know, can that compartmentalization of like gender roles starts with that. Um, And so I fell into that just because of, because I was a male. And then from there, I think the only reason why I went down that avenue more was because in my head, I was like the pain of staying in school and being an outcast and being this person who literally gets like attacked at school um, and beaten up and um, rejected by like people that I respected and that I'm chasing validation and all these negative things that and all these people that do not appreciate me or see the real me that pain was so much more intolerable than the idea of going to work full time in a butchery. Right. Right. And so I was like, man, going to work in a butchery, like where I'm just going to get paid to work full time. And I, and I don't have to deal with all this other stuff, like sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> and little, little did I know that that environment would actually end up being like as toxic. And I think part of it was because the toxic mindset I had migrated. Like, it's not like, and one of, that's one of the things I think people forget is that you can't just like, go skip to another country or like move house or, you know, do something physical like that. And if you bring your old mindset with you, you're going to bring that environment with you. Right. And so people are like, Oh, the, you know, I want to go here and I know things will feel better. And sometimes the environment can help stimulate a better frame of thinking. But very often, if your frame of thinking is very destructive, you'll bring those old paradigms with you no matter where you are. You could be on the beach in Miami and you'd still have problems. And um, so that's basically what I feel like I did with the butchery because I remember waking up some mornings, my alarm would go off at 4 a.m. and I would just cry. I would just wake up and I would cry and I'd be like, man, I I hate this because the the main reason I, I hated it so much is because the guys who worked above me, like the alpha males in the butchery was so unpredictable. Like on a good day, if you caught them on a good day and they didn't have an argument with their spouse and they weren't half drunk, they would, they would be pretty kind to you at times. And then there were times where if they had, you know, if they were in a bad mood, they would take it on you so hard. Like it was like playing Russian roulette. You honestly had no idea what you were going to get yourself into. And it made it worse. The fact that I was living such a poor lifestyle in terms of drinking. You know, I wasn't on a on a plant based diet. I wasn't vegan, so I was eating a lot of junk food. I was drinking too much, so my immune system was smashed, and I would get colds and flus all the time. And so, like when I took a day off work because I had a flu, I knew that the next day when I would go in, all hell would be waiting for me because they would basically abuse me for not coming into work. And part of me like would try, I just didn't even know what to do, man. It was like this awful scenario where um, you go in there and you literally just in fear. You're in the state of fear. 
And I remember one day I had that epiphany like you had when you said that, you know, you, you sat down that time and you just said, you were, or, you know, in the one evening and you're like, you know, something's got to change. Like you have that moment where you're like, you know what, like I can't tolerate this pain anymore. I don't care what I have to do to get out of it. So this, the scales balance, it's, it's like the, the pain of one thing overcomes the pain or the fear of another thing. And so it inspires change, which I think is a, a crazy thing that, that makes humans take action, but yeah, and and it sucks that often it take it, you have to get to that point before you take action to the point where the pain becomes so intolerable you're forced to move. And um, that was for me. And I remember handing in my resignation. But I definitely think that the the butchery was like an amplifier for that. And you know, I, and I know that being around a lot of toxic people and mentally unstable people too, it proliferates it in you as well you know like a lot of the guys in the butchery had alcohol problems drug addictions a lot of them um had had were physically violent and domestically in their homes um so it was just a very toxic environment in general and i think that's where i have a little bit more compassion for some of these people who work in this industry because i recognize that very often they're also victims you know like they do a lot of stupid things and they make a lot of mistakes and they can seem very careless and, and heartless but it's more of a reflection of their own instability you know someone who's more consciously evolved and who's happy with themselves and who's um, in alignment with their values they don't act and behave that way and they don't even find themselves in an industry like that right that's what i tell people all the time i said if you rise your vibrations um these people that you complain about now that are in your life you're not even going to tolerate being around those people you're not even going to tolerate those situations and people laugh at me and it's just like ha 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 you know they they, they think it's you know woo woo like you like you say and i'm just like man no it's it, it's not because when when you elevate yourself to a certain standard you're you're not going to on every aspect consciously and subconsciously over time you're not going to put yourself in those situations anymore you know so naturally if you're not going to put yourself in this toxic environment guess what you're not going to have as many toxic people so i think that for a lot of people it's a, it's a perpetual cycle because you know they find themselves in these situations and they say why me why me you know and and they act as if life is happening to them, them right yeah. and and they don't realize that you know, if they don't elevate themselves, then their situation is never going to change because the energy that they're putting out is just being received by other people who are vibrating in the same energy. So, yeah. so why, why wouldn't anything change? You know, you're, there's not going to be some knight in shining armor that's just going to come and say, Hey, I'm, I'm here to save you. You know, life owes you, life owes you nothing. You know, you have to get up and, and put the work in yourself. And that, and that starts with you, that starts with you. Yeah, man. And I mean, you know, a, a big thing that I think that helped me to, to achieve what you were just saying is to be able to reframe my challenges, you know, like very often, like you said early on, if bad, bad things happen, you feel like life is happening at you. You feel like you're a victim of circumstances and that because the things that are causing that are outside of you, then you have no real like impetus to change. You have no real ability to change because it's not your doing, you know, you, or you think it's not your doing. And then when you fully, when you start taking ownership of, a lot of the problems in your life, not from a perspective of guilt, but from a place of like, the only way I'm going to be able to change this is if I actually own it and acknowledge the fact that I'm playing like a role in this. And that's an uncomfortable thing, you know, like when you have to look back and admit, like for me, 
when I look back and I and I think about all the dysfunction that I had in my family with my dad and my stepmother and things like that, and at the time I thought that like they were just like bad people and you know they were awful parents and stuff, and then I recognized that I was a com- also a common denominator in that too, and um, you definitely play a role. But then you recognize, okay, if I was a common denominator in that, how and what do I need to change about the way I was acting? to start stimulating a different result, you know, to start mm-hmm. stimulating a different reaction from people. And when you finally start to kind of embrace that and not from a place of guilt, but from a place of like liberation, dude, it, it can change everything. You know, like even some mornings I've, when I've woken up and I've been in that place where I'm feeling frustrated, all I have to do is look at like my little girl Zia. And I think to myself, I know I have a friend who their little girl was seven years old and she died of sickle cell anemia and all it would take i just imagine like i'm so lucky that i can look at her and she's healthy and straight away it makes me realize like okay there might be a lot of things in my life that i still want to work on but there's so many things that i should and be grateful for um and just it gives you that sense of a sense of peace. Like it doesn't mean that you, uh, you know, basically like settling or you're like, okay, I'm just gonna like ignore my problems. But at the same time, it's allowing you to focus on the good stuff too. Because dude, I mean, like what you focus on expands, man. Mm-hmm. You know, right, one hundred percent. I want to take it back to your story uh, again. So sure. at, at this point, at eleven years old, you you're having these 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 mental health problems and then through high school you're still struggling and then you go through the butcher and it's just everything is kind of compounding and then you leave there so what happens what happens after you leave the the butcher so i even remember the day that i resigned because i was so nervous and i i left a, a note and I didn't, and I had some severance pay that i was due like based on like holidays that i hadn't taken and I literally was so nervous about dealing with the managers of the butcher and just dealing with like the follow-up after my letter that I said I resign immediately as per of this letter and um, I don't even want correspondence regarding my severance pay. Wow. That's like, <laughs> I, I literally I literally didn't want anyone calling me from the butchery saying, hey, like you have to come in to like sign some things to get this thing. I was like, I'm not going anywhere near this place right. ever again. And that was it. <laughs> and so, so I literally just severed everything. I remember like washing my uniform and leaving it there. I didn't even tell them that I was quitting. Like they normally, you'd, you know, you'd resign and give two weeks notice. I literally resigned on the spot with a letter and never came, went back. And, um. I remember feeling like the sense of like, like liberation, but also like a little bit of fear. Like, you know, like I've just left this thing that I was doing that was providing me with income. And now like, what do I do? And I remember this was, you know, it's funny you go through stages in your life, man, where you feel like you've just overcome the biggest hurdle in your life and not realizing that you just climbed a smaller summit and there's bigger summits to come. You know what I mean? Like you're like, man, I just got, I just overcame that massive thing in my life. Now I'm, I'm clear to just live life like easy. Cause I just, but not recognizing that that was just a smaller little summit and off in the distance Mount Everest is looking at you. And, um, so for me, that was kind of the, the scenario where then when I went to, I was like, you know what? I was like, I always felt like I was smarter than what I was at school, but I felt like I was so distracted with fitting in and and drinking and doing all these other goofy things that I never really 
applied myself like I felt like I could. And so I was like, I want to go back to school. And this time my motivation was more like from like a, a place of like validation and approval of like, look how smart I am. Like I'm actually like, I'm not a failure after all. Like, yeah, like I quit the butchery, but I'm going to go do a law degree, you know? Like, so I picked a, like I picked a law and psychology degree and part of me at the time, you know, I was like, that just sounds cool. You know, like I, I just thought it was just sounds cool. And then I thought to myself, you know, my dad is going to be proud of me if I do this. And a primary motivation was that acknowledgement. Like you want to feel like what you're doing is respected by people around you. And I was, so I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And because of that, my motivation just wasn't very good. And I went to university and I found myself just getting distracted by women and drinking. And I was back at school again, you know, like it was like, I was back at school and it was like the same broken mindset in a different place. And so I remember just getting caught up in like the wrong crowds again and again and again. This time it was like a crowd of people that like did hardcore drugs and they would like rob people's houses and steal cars and like chop the cars up and sell them and all kinds of stuff. I wasn't involved in that, but I was around like a lot of people who were. And so I was just around a lot of people who were not like people who valued like other people's stuff and they didn't have a good moral compass on them. And a lot of them were just like mentally dysfunctional people like me. And so we all gravitated together. And I remember that I got to a point where I, I recognized one night that my drinking had got to the point where it wasn't just like a social thing, that it was a problem because I hadn't even left the house yet. And I'd already drunk so much before I'd left that I vomited. And I thought to myself, like, this is not just like me being a t- like a, a, a youth and just drinking and like living up life. It's like, that's a problem. Like, you know, I would say most people, if you literally, before you leave the house, you have to drink so much that you vomit first. That's a problem. And so I was like, and then what I would do is I would stack that with like my prescription medications of like a clonazepam and, and Adderall and all sorts of stuff, like to get me up and down like a roller coaster. And, um, I remember, and this is going to tie back into like what I was doing. Cause I remember after I realized I had that problem, I was like, man, I've got to stop. Like I've at least got to try and stop some of this stuff from, you know? So I remember as I cut down my drinking consumption and I really tried to move away from that crowd and things like that and clean my life up more. It's almost like all those things mask all the massive problems in your life. And so like I was drinking and taking all these prescription medications and stuff excessively to basically numb myself out so I wouldn't have to feel anything. And then when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden my social anxiety exploded. Like my anxiety came like out like this freaking tyrannical dragon where I'd never experienced this before, but I think it was always there, but it was just kind of suppressed under all these like substances. And did you quit, did you quit drinking and taking your medications as well? No, I was still taking the medications, but I just basically stopped drinking and that's when I noticed like my anxiety went through the roof. And I remember I was in second year of psychology and law. And I remember I had to get a bus from the North shore, which is like a, probably a 40 minute drive all the way into campus. And the bus will get quite crowded. 
because a lot of people would try and get on each one. And so it definitely wasn't the most comfortable ride. And I remember standing on there one day and I just felt claustrophobic. Like I felt like all the walls were closing in on me and I could feel my heart rate going up and I started sweating. And I, and I was like, and this had never happened to me before to that degree. And it got to the point where I literally started to feel like I was going to pass out. And I remember getting off the, and I remember having a choice and I remember thinking to myself, I probably having a panic attack. I, I could probably work through this. Or should I just get off the bus and go home? And I got off the bus and I got I went home. And that was the last time I ever went back to uh, that college. Wow, just like that. And just like that, bro. Like I gave up, man. I, I gave up as soon as I felt like uncomfortable. And I felt like this deep sense of like shame. Like here I, here I was again. Like I thought I'd come back with a bang and like really prove everyone wrong. And I failed again. Right. And just, and just quickly to interject, I think that this is a super important point that people need to understand is that there is a difference between being uncomfortable when you have a goal and you're trying to grow and having the weight of the world feel like it's just absolutely suffocating you. You know, one, one, one is intuition, right? And the other one is just, is just the struggle of growth. And, and there's a big difference. And if you can recognize that, that's, that's a very important thing because intuition is, is something you should always listen to, but you know, being uncomfortable is something that, that can propel you forward. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, you never want to be in that place where like, it's so out of control that you feel like you're losing your mind, but at the same time, being uncomfortable can be a good thing. Right. You know? But for me, I literally felt out of control then in hindsight with what I know now I could have handled it, but I didn't have the skill sets to, you know, I didn't have the, the social, the, the, the mental framework to handle it. And so that's when I quit again. And I remember at that point, man, I kind of just had this hiatus where I ended up like valeting, you know, cleaning and valet cars like with this guy at this dealership that he was working at and i just kind of did little odd jobs randomly and really became like a bit of a social hermit like i just kind of withdrew myself from a lot of interaction with people and then i found that over time you know long story short i ended up getting some therapy and one of the things he suggested to me was I should start working out, you know, because it, he, he was sure that it might help me like a pressure cooker release valve. And so I was curious and I started training for the first time and I got hooked on that, man. You know, I really grew to love it. And then from there, I started trying to improve my diet and clean that up a little bit. I still wasn't vegan, but I was eating like more whole foods and stuff. Still not, still like, I mean, if I looked at my diet now, I think it was disgusting. But, you know, but back then it was a stark improvement for what I had been doing. And then that's when I got that final motivation to go back to college, study nutrition and, you know, human structure and function um, at college again. And this time I was like, you know, I've just got to do it. Like I've got to like break through the cycle of like needing this instant gratification or like giving up or getting distracted or slipping back into old habits. And the hard part was, is that even though I went into that second college attempt, it was a different college as well. Um, a second college attempt with all those good intentions, I ended up only just making it through just, like I literally scraped through. I mean, when I say that I passed, it was literally like by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> it could have, it, you could have flipped a coin and I could have failed. Um, and so, and I think part of that again was just my mind, man. It was just was not. And so, like the whole thing I want to put forward to people is that not everyone just had this monumental shift in their life where all of a sudden one day they wake up and they're a different person. 
You know, like very often it's not like that. Very often it's messy and it's like you're climbing one summit to realize that the summit in front of you is twice as big. And sometimes you might fall down a valley when you thought that you were at the top. That's the game. That's life, man. You know, and so like that's from from butcher to finishing my nutrition degree. That's basically that kind of roller coaster that I went on. Right. So during that time, then were you starting? Were you starting to get better at least uh, from from the mental health perspective because you had been introduced to the gym? I know that's a catalyst for a lot of people. It definitely has been a a savior uh, for me many times. I I consider it you know my therapist. So <laughs> were you starting to get better at that time, or or was there something else that really propelled you forward after that? It still, it still was hit and miss at times. If I'm honest with you, there was still times where it was hit and miss where um, I even remember one night, even after all of this, um, after everything I'd been through, I remember having an argument with my, my dad and in the heat of the moment, I just grabbed all my medications and just dumped them down my throat and I just basically put the middle finger up to his face and just said F you. And it was that cry for help that I told you about at the start. Like it wasn't like I, like I didn't want to die, but I was like, you know what? Like I'm in so much pain right now. I just need to do something absolutely ridiculous. And so I ended up going and getting my stomach pumped in the hospital and all these things. And this was after I'd done that degree. And so there was still a lot of emotional trauma and just turmoil that I was dealing with. But I think that incident really was like a big catalyst in changing a lot of how I felt and thought about life. Cause I felt I woke up the next day with just this, this guilt of like, you know, how could I do this to my family? And like, how could I do this to myself? Like, you know, that people just want to help me and I'm, and I need to stop being like so destructive towards myself. And I remember over time I would just, I, I ended up like, cutting out drinking completely like when i said to you earlier i stopped drinking i was still drinking a little bit but just not like excessive this is when i completely really stopped drinking and i started to um get like more and more therapy first like cognitive behavioral therapy and i really like immersed myself in therapy for like three years with this amazing therapist called Frank and the dude just changed my life. You know, like he really helped me in in ways I can't even explain. And part of it was like, I almost, I did become a little bit of a hermit dude. Like I got a little dog and it was like me and the dog. (laughs) And I just kind of like watched discovery channel and national geographic. And I, and I, and I worked out and I, and I like walked my dog and it was almost like I I got so tired of the gossip, the drama in my life with other people and everything that I just was like, you know what? I just need like to discover myself and I'm not going to find it in other people, you know? And so that, and that's when I feel like the isolation for me actually was advantageous. It actually helped. And when I came out of that isolation, that's when it's ironically, like when I met Lauren online very soon after, and that's, we started talking for about a year and then I decided to, you know, come over to America and, see her and um from there i never came back and i we ended up you know getting married and you know it it took a lot of leaps of faith man i mean like you know going from that place where i was so so anxious i couldn't even get on a bus to then getting on a a plane flying around the other side of the world um it took a lot but i really attributed a lot to like having that 
that time to yourself, man, like not looking for the next best thing, like not looking for the next person to distract you or not looking for the next substance to consume you rather than to like sit with your pains and your issues and to see them and to acknowledge that it's, it's part of like the human experience and like that this is just part of like the seasons, you know, like often people think that it should just all be like, you know, kumbaya and all be happy, but this is like summers and winters, you know, like you, f- flowers are not going to bloom all year. And it doesn't mean that winters are bad. It just means it's a different season. It's a time of contraction, but sometimes that contraction means going inwards and it's like self-discovery, you know? So if you frame it from a self-discovery perspective, rather than a perspective of I'm going backwards, or I'm unraveling, it definitely helps. So yeah, I, it was a long journey, man, coming from, uh, you know, going into the butchery, coming from the butchery. And there were times between that, you know, when I said that I, I wanted to be a hermit, I mean, there's lots of things that I haven't even talked about on other podcasts. Like there were times where we would go out and we would have street fights. And I, and I remember stomping someone's head on the ground. Like I literally did like super violent stuff. Wow. And, and I look back now and I don't even recognize that person that I was. I mean, it's so far from who I am now, but being in a butcher butchery, being severely mentally ill, being on, you know, out constantly drunk and just, and feeling like the only way to establish respect and authority was through like violence or being tough. That's really like what my mind operated on. And so having come from that place, to now um it's a crazy journey bro it's a crazy journey just talking about yeah, it again. absolutely and i think one of the biggest things that that i've taken away from what helped you to get better is that that time of solitude and i i don't think yeah. that people realize how much they can truly change but it it takes because you went through that too didn't yeah, you Yeah, absolutely i absolutely went through that and you know, it takes it takes that self reflection and looking inward. And unfortunately, today, like we were talking about earlier, there's so much stimulus just happening all the time. You know, you go to work, you're around other people, you're doing <clears throat> medial tasks, you, you go home, you watch TV, you get on Facebook, you get on Instagram, and then <laughs> yeah. at the end of the night, right before you go to bed, you have all these thoughts that just come pouring in, and and you're not gonna have time to process them, right? You're trying to go to sleep. It's like, you know, for me, I I remember coming out of out of my depression. Um, it wasn't solitude immediately. I had met a person, um, who she helped me cause she was going kind of through the same things. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't her that helped me. It was her that, you know, made me realize, okay, I'm not the only one going through this and, you know, I can change. And I remember for me, uh, I went on a, a solo trip up to, Ver- I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I went on a solo yeah. trip up to Vermont and I, you know, it was like three or four days and I just went out in nature. And, and I remember I went to one of the local tea shops and I was just sitting there just kind of like drinking some tea. I'm like, well, maybe I'll go to this little kind of like spiritual place and (laughs) try to get with myself. And I remember just having this revelation because I had been with my thoughts for the past three days of just knowing like everything's going to be okay. And like the next chapter of your life is ready to unfold. And just having that time to process everything I had been through, because for me at 23 years old, there was three things that I had in my life. I had a band at the time. I had a, a girl I was with for, for, uh, seven years. And then, you know, I had my family and, and, 
my parents that I live with. And at 23 years old, I broke up with that girl. My band ended and I moved out of my house. And I, I was like, like dramatic, dramatic changes. changes. And I was board, just like, right? who am I? I, I had no I, I had <laughs> I had put my value and worth into yeah. these external things and I had let them define me. And I had no idea, you know, who I was myself. So it, it took this journey of just like being depressed and feeling like I had no purpose because all these things were gone. And it's like that 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 shitting of your identity. Absolutely. And and I wasn't instead of me trying to find who that person was, you know, for four months I I numbed it, you know, with with alcohol and smoking weed and, you know, partying every night. And, you know, so finally it finally I finally had that night of just like, okay, like subconsciously or, or whatever, it was just like enough, you know, you gotta change. And and yeah. at that point, that's when I started to look inward and say, like, okay, who am I? Like, what do I care about? What are, what are the things in life that propel me forward? And I think for a lot of people who are depressed or struggling with mental issues is kind of finding, finding your place here in the world, finding your place in the universe. And, you know, for me, what helped me was definitely, I had already been vegan at the time, but I think I didn't quite understand, you know, the extent of what that meant for me as a person. And I think that, going through that solitude kind of made me realize like I'm here for a purpose that's that's beyond myself you know and I think if people can find that because on those days when you're struggling the most and just like you need yeah it's always going to be you versus you but if you have this if you have this purpose in life that is something beyond yourself it's like you wake up and it's just like I have I have a duty I have an obligation to to do this thing because it's not for me you know and maybe that maybe me being an empath makes it easier because I I feel for other people so much but I think a lot of people can say the same man when when you give uh, service to others it it truly inspires you even even on the darkest days so well you look at like um you know in psychology the after doing a lot of you know observational research I read this thing and I was talking to one of my friends about this and they came to this conclusion and obviously it's subjective and there's going to be other variables in it too. But I think they were meant talking about the top five pillars for happiness and it went in the order of, you know, exercise is number five, volunteering is number four, spirituality is number three. Um, and what was number number one was sleep and number two was social connection and friendships mm. And I put, I'd put nutrition in there as well. Um, cause I think that plays a huge role, but like the, the volunteering part that you just talked about, like the higher cause the volunteering combine that with the social connection. I honestly think that that is, uh, a cure for so much of like the struggles that we face, yeah. but it's gotta be, it's gotta be intentional. You know, like you gotta make sure that the interactions you have are with other people who are good and at your wavelength or above you. Like if you're having, you know, like I think a lot of vegans can fall into this this trouble of like surrounding themselves with just a lot of like angry people and it becomes this sort of echo chamber of anger and all you see on social media is like, ang- you know, fighting and you get tagged in comments where you want to get pulled into argue with people. And, and so like I think for me, like you were saying, being an empath, you have to be really careful about how you filter your your world like you know what discussions are you even going to what rabbit holes are you even going to go down in terms of discussions like i choose to not engage in online debates and things not because i don't think that my point is relevant but sometimes i don't think another opinion is even the solution and and that 
does offering is offering my opinion is it more an ego satisfaction for me or is it actually going to help the situation and very often if we're honest with ourselves ego. there is like this compulsion like there's this ego egoic compulsion like to like show that we know something that other people yeah. don't and that's why a lot of people will share a lot of like political things and stuff like that online because they get a degree of satisfaction out of it like they are like I think what happens is that when you find that other people are in pain like you, you end up building connections through pain. And so like you have this common thread with all these people, but it's the common thread is pain. Right. Misery loves company. Yeah. And you end up being that person that, and, and I was guilty of that for a long time. And, you know, it's like, like you were saying that solitude, that time in Vermont, that time to detach like a lot of people will avoid that or they'll try to fill it with Netflix or gambling or alcohol or whatever. And I think if you can be really intentional about just being okay with sitting with it. And like you were saying, man, like I think veganism when used right, it can be an amplifier for that awareness. Like I noticed that with myself that it's like a, it's like an antenna, you know, it really does. It amplifies what we focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And the key is doing it right. And like you said, my first year of being vegan, I was very angry. I was that person. And I, <laughs> and I can't even picture you like that. Either. Right. It, I mean, yeah. And, and that just goes to attest to the amount of change we're capable of. As yeah. humans. But you know, my first year I was just so angry and I was, you know, sharing slaughter videos and, and pictures every single day and just, you know, yelling at people and saying, you need, you know, meat is murder and this and that. And yeah. I pushed every single person I had close to me away. They wanted nothing to do with me. And I'm just like, okay. So I learned quickly, you know, like that's not the way to get people engaged. And, and I'm with you as well. I used to go down the rabbit hole and, and argue with people. And, and sometimes I'm still guilty. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not perfect. We're and, all a work in right, progress. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that <laughs> ego just kind of wants to pull but you really you have to you have to understand that i think that the biggest uh the biggest example that you can set is just being the example yeah you know you're gonna have people who are gonna be online and they're gonna be on a thread and they're not arguing with you for them to find out information. They're arguing to satisfy their ego as well. They're not here to, they're not here to exactly. learn and people don't yeah. realize that. And what do they do? They yeah. just buy into it because this person's ego is saying, I want to be right. And then the other person's ego is saying, no, I want to be right. And so it's just an argument and, and nothing gets accomplished. You know, you have to be an example and, and let people come to you and, and you're going to know, who those people are, the people who are genuine and want to learn, they're going to come up and say, Oh, Hey, you know, like I, I see you're living this vegan lifestyle. Where do you get your protein from? Or, you know, exactly. et cetera. You know, like I've had, you know, do like, like talking about that. I mean, I've had that type of those scenarios in my own life, especially living down here in Louisiana. Like that's not a very vegan friendly area. Like if I took like a really hardcore approach, like no one would listen to me. And then you get lumped into this whole concept of, are you being an apologist? And it's like, I'm not apologizing for their behavior, but I'm recognizing that like people operate from like this unconscious emotional level where you can present them facts and logic and they still won't get it yet because you haven't hit the emotional triggers yet. Right. You know, you haven't, they haven't grown to the point where what you're saying even sounds like English to them. You're still speaking a different language. And, you know, I, I see that when 
people in the store or like in the gym that I'm communicating with and they'll ask me if I'm vegan and they'll say something goofy like, oh, but you know, I just love bacon so much. And they don't recognize that they're saying something stupid to me. And I don't, and my, you know, my an inherent reaction might be like, dude, that's just weak. Like, why are you being, why are you being that weak that you're allowing a food choice to like dictate your life? Like, that's not strength to me, but I don't say that rather I put forward to them like a challenge or like, Hey man, I get it. Like I was a butcher. Like I ate more meat than probably everyone in this gym. I try and find common ground with them. I try and help them understand that, find the thing that resonates with them and drill down on that, you know? And like you were saying, be the example. And I think you can't be that if you're not like you're growing towards your strongest version of yourself. And if you're not, you know, like, and another thing that I say is like, be the type of vegan that you would have wanted to meet before you became vegan. And, and you can apply that to anything, man. You could like be the type of person you would have wanted to meet before you became a good person, you know? Like, so like what type of people in your life have inspired you to make monumental shifts and changes in your life? And what type of characteristics do they exhibit? Now start working on exhibiting those characteristics. And like a lot of people were like, Oh, well, I'm not naturally like that. No one is like you, you have to realize that most people who are talented at certain things, they're talented at those things because they did them repeatedly. Right. They're not talented at them because they just naturally came out of the womb that way. Like it was a conscious choice, you know? So like for me, I used to be severely anxious like I couldn't even go out in public and now when I talk to people in public they wouldn't even think they would think that I was never a socially anxious person and they're like oh well I'm just too nervous to do that and it's like no like you have to subject yourself to that 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 degree of uncomfortable stimulus to be able to grow right yeah absolutely you have to subject yourself to the pain and that's why people don't want to change is because biologically we are wired to uh, want to avoid pain right and it's <laughs> yeah. it's now at the at the point in human evolution where we're not trying to find food and water and shelter every day and avoid that kind of pain and now it's transitioned over into trying to avoid this emotional pain right and that's a deep one too. it really is but by avoiding that you know you're you're hindering yourself because there's and my belief there's no such thing as failure right there's only success and lessons learned and and growth yeah and people need to realize that like you need to fall flat on your face to be able to grow as a person and move forward and you have to be willing to embrace and accept accept that pain look at anybody who has been a an expert in their field or their craft throughout history and I guarantee you at some point in their journey, they were either told no, they were embarrassed, they they failed tremendously, but they learned from it and they came back again and then they had more failures and they learned from those. But you can't you can't learn on these almost like, you know, pyramid type levels of of growth and understanding if if you don't fall on that first step. Right. Because you're going to yeah, fall man. on that first yeah. step and then you're going to stop and you're going to look at it and say, OK, well, maybe I need to go about it this way or I need to go around. And then once you get up to that, you can look back down and say, oh, I was there and now I'm here. And now you can look at that next step and you might fall again on that next step. But it's it's the process of repetition and consistency of not being afraid of failure, not being afraid to fall flat on your face because, you know, 
that by doing that, you're going to learn how to elevate yourself to that next level. And then eventually you're going to get to the point where you want to be. And then what people don't realize is that they look at these people and think, oh, they just they were lucky or they just got there overnight <laughs> and they don't realize like, man, man, this takes years. This takes time of consistently learning and wanting to and do they, better. And they failed and they failed more than you. Right. Did. Right. And they, <laughs> yeah. they, they they failed. I I always say the the fear of regret will always will weigh heavier than the fear of failure. You know? Oh, dude. For, yeah. I mean because I don't I don't want to be, you know, on my deathbed and look back and say, "Oh, I I wish I would have tried that." And it's just like, man, that fear is just so that hits me so deep in my heart of just like, oh my God, like I could go my whole life and not do the things that I truly wanted to do. If I can look back and say, well, I tried that and I failed, but that's okay because I learned something out of it and maybe it opened this door for this other path. You know, at least you can say that that you did it, right? That's one of the things like I think you just touched on that I think is very important is that when you try something and it didn't go the way that you planned, like you learn so much from that, you know, like you learn a lot more from, like you think back in, in your own life around anything that you would have perceived as a failure and you learn so much more from that than you do from like the successes. Like all you know from success is that whatever you did worked, but all you know, but what you can learn from failure is just so much more deeply emotionally seated about yourself. And one of the things that I'll say to people is that, you know, you need to like almost downplay failure. And it sounds weird, like downplay it in the sense that like you were saying, if you win, cool, perfect, good stuff. If you lose, you learn. And if and it's, if you see like losing or failure as like a learning opportunity rather than like as a reflection on you as a person. And see, that's the thing that I think people struggle with. And I, I've been guilty of that growing up is that, you know, when I would get the the C's of for achievement in high school, I would see that as a reflection of me as a person. Like I was stupid, not recognizing that there's lots of other factors involved. Like the the teaching method that maybe I was being given didn't fit my type of learning ability. Maybe I just wasn't as motivated because I, I was going through those other problems. But what I drew from that was I was stupid. Rather rather than saying, you know, I need to like approach things from a different angle or maybe I should try a different subject or maybe I need to, you know, whatever. And so I think we all fall into that trap of putting so much weight on anything, on any decision that we make that it's like life and death when really it's not. And I said that one thing that I noticed with a lot of people who get a lot of happiness and success in their life is their ability to make decisions is, is rapid. So like they're able to make faster and faster decisions more freely and i think people who struggle more tend to dwell on every little decision as if it was like a life and death situation and so i would even challenge people like i know it sounds kind of weird but challenge people to make faster decisions about everything and it's not to make like rash decisions but it's to just make a decision knowing that either way you're going to learn and, and so like for me, that's why I was able to get on a plane and come to America and not know what was going to be on the other end of that and why, you know, we were able to close down a gym that we had that wasn't working and to go online and not know what ha would happen at the end of that and everything else. And in between those things have been many, many things that were perceived as failures, you know, like and it's I don't put them out there on social media, but not because like I want people to think that 
everything is perfect, but more so I don't want to give those things more weight than they, they're required. Like I don't, I want to give them just enough attention that I can learn from them, but not enough that I dwell on them and they become part of who I right. am. Right. That's so important. You know, so, so like, you know, a lot of people will, um, feel like their life sucks because they're comparing their outtakes with everyone's highlight reel on social media. And some people will hide their outtakes because they just genuinely think that's the way they need to do things. Other people, the reason why they don't share them is because their priority is focusing on the good things. Their priority priority is focusing on the things that can help them, you know? So like, it's not, it's not about dwelling. Right. And that's one of the things that I had to really learn, like, was to how to let go. You know, there's definitely an art in letting go um, with with emotional things. We want to. We have a tendency to want to cling. You know, want to cling to things, and I think that it takes time and awareness to learn how to truly surrender. And when you finally, truly, like, start to get to a place where you know you can surrender, dude, there's nothing like that is so liberating like that, man. Like you just feel like the ton of bricks just got lifted yeah, off you. I've absolutely felt that in, in my life a couple yeah. times. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> you hold all this in and you don't even realize how much you're holding and it in. Release. Right? And then you release it and yeah. you're just like, yeah, it's just like, oh, <laughs> God, you feel reborn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. And, and you know, I, and I've, I've felt that like many times in my life, man, you know, where I've been through these things and, I remember um, when I first went vegan, there was that sort of release and surrender and then this curiosity. And even now, you know, there's times where we go through challenges, you know, like when Zia was first born in in June, it was challenging at times, you know, like it was, um, you know, being a new parent and adapting to having a little baby and stuff. It's, it does, it does test you at times. And so that was a new challenge where, then I had to learn how to release control and like relinquish, you know, this need to always be doing what I want to do on my watch. And, um, it just teaches you so much, man. It really does. Like, and one of the things that it reminded me of is that all this personal development work that we do, all these podcasts we listen to, the books that we read, um, the mindset shifts we focus on, even though to some people it might just seem like some spiritual woo woo, like, there really does come a time when those things come in handy and like, it's, you know, it's like preparation for that. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with everything, everything you said. And, um, yeah, it's, there's absolutely those, those times in life where it's, it's going to pop up and, you know, being ready for it is, is key and and, and critical because otherwise it's going to be very easy to, kind of go down a, a slippery slope if you don't have a strong mindset you know our mind is very susceptible yeah. to kind of just like different impressions and different thoughts and behaviors and thinking about what other people are doing and um so it's very easy to be able to let a situation take control rather than you having control of the situation and and having those objective thoughts and being able to you know control your mind around what's happening so yeah man i mean that's like you know for me coming out of bipolar disorder and all these other you know challenges and then choosing to like wean myself off all my medication and stuff like i had to recognize that like i had more uh, ability to change my situation than what I thought. And I had to tell myself a different story and I had to focus on more productive things. And, 
you know, it's not, it might not be for everyone, but one of the things I feel like is that it was a reminder to me that whatever situation that we find ourselves in, we have way more potential to change it than what we think. But very often through society, culture, doctors, you know, family, friends, they will start to shape the the our own limitation you know like you are you know be careful about that like you are you sure you want to do that like that sounds dangerous i knew someone who did that and blah 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 all these things went wrong and they do it from a place of concern but really all it does is just create so many parameters on you that you never really break free and you have to have this kind of blind faith in the fact that you know you want to feel something more you don't really know what it looks like yet, but you just have to pursue that feeling. And, um, you know, looking back now, like being medication free for, you know, eight years plus and, and having come out of that. And I recognize now how much like those things have a place within a specific context, but nothing's going to like, nothing's going to change like a good clean plant-based diet, like a good lifestyle, like, you know, personal development, reframing your challenges and all the things you've talked about, you know, nothing's going, nothing's going to fill that gap. There's no pill you can take to like fix those things. Those, those are really the things that offer you the most, um, return. Absolutely. And and everything that we've talked about uh, as far as state of mind, that is, that is mental health. That is mental health. And I want people to understand and know that is that us talking about, you know, viewing failure as a learning experience and self-reflection, that is all mental health because that is, you know, that it's just thoughts that are, that are stemming from our, from our head that we have every single day. It's the stories you tell yourself, right? I think people think that like mental health is just like, okay, like going to the psychiatrist and, you know, getting these pills or just talking about like suicide and and depression it's more than that it's it's every single day it is is you know what what is your story like what are you telling yourself what are you telling yourself that your story is what are the habits that you're doing how are you viewing other people how are you viewing yourself any anything that is stemmed from a thought is is mental health it's literally like all that all input that's coming into us, you know, like I, I give you an example, like this, a person that I I've observed before online and they'll often be like, Oh, I need to take a hiatus from, you know, social media. I need to take a break. Um, or I need to, you know, just take a break from life. Like I've just been so stressed out. I'm not in a good headspace. And then all they post on their wall is like polarizing, like stuff about politics and, this and that and the other. And and then they end up spending like an hour arguing with people on their posts. And I'm like, you do realize that you are the cause of yeah. your problem. Like you're literally spending half your day arguing with people who are egoically driven to be right as much as you. And then you're exhausted. And so like, it comes back to that fact of like you were saying, being real intentional, you know, and like this stuff is mental health. Like when we talk about social media and like news feeds and like what you post on social media and all these things, that stuff is mental health. Like that, that literally will shape the way that your whole mind sees anything. Right. right? Yeah. 100%. Well, before we uh, wrap things up, I, I have to ask you more about your vegan story and your vegan transformation because for anyone who's listening, who, who's maybe not vegan or is just kind of plant-based curious, you know, whatever you may be, flexitarian, um, I think a lot of people are curious about how a former butcher 
<laughs> How does that I even mean, happen? to me, it makes sense because I see your journey and I see that, you know, it wasn't until you cleared that that negative uh, headspace and went through the therapy and, you know, came to America and, and met your wife, Lauren, that, you know, you were in a good place mentally to be able to receive that information and elevate yourself yeah. to that level. But, you know, talk a little <laughs> bit more about that. Yeah, man, it was like. It was funny because it was like a, it's like a level of layers of sort of transcendence where, you know, you you're in this place where you're a butcher and that seems normal to you. You know, everything in that world seems normal, necessary. Um, and then as you start to evolve and you recognize, okay, like I don't like this job anymore. I need to get myself out of this situation because it's toxic. You you know you leave and you, you start trying to study and you do other things and then all of a sudden that becomes normal. And then you, you know, you get in, you know, your, your therapist tells you, Hey, you should work out a little bit, be a good pressure release valve for you. And I can tell you got a lot of build up tension and anger. So I start doing that. And, and with that, you know, you start being around people who are a little bit more health conscious and they're like, Hey man, like you should eat this after your workout and you should do this and this. And then that becomes normal. And so like your level of normal or your level of like comprehension elevates every time you change your situation in a, in a, in a positive way. And it took me like, a, you know, ascending like so many of those little layers, man. Like a lot of people can watch one thing overnight and, and their mind will change. And because they're already in a way maybe primed for it, you know, they're in a place mentally where they can connect those dots and it makes sense. Other people like myself, like weren't there yet. I wasn't exposed to, any vegans i wasn't really online a lot so i wasn't exposed to a lot of vegan content online being in a butchery obviously there's no vegans there so it's like i didn't even really know what they were and you know then you have the whole um connotation this whole stereotype like i knew what vegetarians were and i just in my head i was like you know why would you want to do that like i didn't even think deeply about it and I remember when I came to the US and Lauren was reading this book because she was, you know, starting to get more health conscious too. She was never a, a huge meat eater to begin with or anything like that, but I was. And I remember her getting this book called The World Peace Diet, um, Eating for Spiritual Health and Social Harmony by uh, Dr. Will Tuttle. And we would head out to see her grandmother every week which is about a 30 minute drive. And she would read a couple of chapters to me in this book every week as we drove out there and drove back. And I remember hearing this book and by the end of the book, Lauren was like, you know what? I'm just going to like try this. I'm going to, I'm going to go vegan. And I, I'm the, of the nature of like, I always want to support people. Like if I know they're doing something that could potentially be helpful for them, you know, like a, a lot of people, spouses and family members will try and like tear other family members down, but it just more comes from a place of like ignorance. Like I had enough nutritional knowledge to understand that that was probably a healthier diet to start with. And so that's why I wasn't like opposed to it. And then I was like, you know what, what everything he said in there about like, you know, the type of morals and values we have as like peaceful people, it really begins on our plate. And like, if we consider ourselves peaceful and loving then why would we want to put other sentient beings who can feel through fear and pain if it could be completely avoided and we could be healthier? And he would talk about how the the matriarchy, like the masculine versus the feminine regarding, you know, men in tribal 
cultures were taught to hunt and you know fish and the women were the gatherers you know and would tend to the gardens which is seems to be why more women seem to gravitate towards veganism because of that inherent gathering nature and then he talks about the inherent hunting nature that has been passed on um, culturally to men and that's why men have more of a fear around it because then they feel like they're going to be considered female and when he said all these things to me i'm like holy crap like there's all these layers of like conditioning and programming and stereotypes and like paradigms that we that basically accumulate to create our identity and i thought to myself like if i was able to shed the labels of my mental illness and truly feel like i recovered from those things what other labels am i wearing right now that i still cannot see and i thought to myself what if me saying I, I'm a peaceful person and I believe in all these peaceful ideas and that I don't like the Yule and Dog Festival and I don't like if I saw a, you know, a, a puppy being beaten on the street, I would intervene. But then I'll pay someone to um, you know, basically scare and kill an animal so I can eat it when I don't need to. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, it just feels weird to me. Like it just, there's something, it was like a, an itch under my skin. It was almost like the the matrix had a glitch in it. And I was like, this something does not feel right. Like in my gut and my heart and my consciousness, I could tell that what I was doing was more conditioned programming given to me by my parents and their parents rather than like a conscious choice. And when I finally kind of got to that place, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to give this a shot. And part of it was a challenge to myself because I posted it on my Facebook and I remember people going, Oh, you know, they always come in and they go, well, maybe you should hunt and get sustainably sourced meat or you should do this. And they always try and find little right, loopholes. They try to hang on to like the you last know, this, little bit of hope to like justify yeah, their own like, actions. Yeah. Like, you know, like just trying to find that little loophole to make things okay. And really I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in and I'm going to be motivated to basically show people and show myself that this is not only a good way to live, but it's optimal. And then when I did, when I made that commitment, like ethically, and then I was like, okay, now I just need to figure out the nutritional side of things. And I never looked back from there, man. And I recognize now looking back, you know, I get Facebook memories of, you know, times where I, um, I remember back in New Zealand, there was a, a case going on in court where a woman was being convicted of murder of her infant because she allowed her partner to beat their baby to death. And I remember being so horrified by that. And I remember seeing a picture online of a piglet with a pig, like snout to snout. And I shared that picture and I said, and this is while I was eating bacon and animals. And I shared that picture and I said, if only more people could be like these animals, you know, like why is it that like animals are the only ones that seem to have like true unconditional love, like, or something along those lines. And at the time I was eating animals. And then now when I get the Facebook memory back, I look back and I recognize that I was just running on an operating system that was given to me. Like it's not, people think that they're making a conscious choice and I thought I was making a conscious choice, but I was told from birth that these are food animals and these are pet animals. These are animals that we eat for protein and these are animals that we play um, in the backyard with and with a tennis ball. And then I was like, holy hell, like if that paradigm is so entrenched into my consciousness that I literally didn't even know it was there. 
what else is what else in my life am I missing? And so now that's really sparked me on this lifelong journey, man, this lifelong endeavor of like, what else am I missing? Where else are my blind spots? And I think even as vegans, we can have blind spots. You know, we can get to a place where we start saying and doing things that aren't even productive, but we fall into like this vegan paradigm. And you have to even be conscious of that. And it's like these layers of yourself that get peeled away to reveal this new part of you. And I think for me, that was that journey of just being curious and then recognizing that my mental health, I'd shed that. So what else can I shed to become a stronger version of myself and more in alignment with the type of values that I had? Um, And so, dude, like for me now, it's a lifelong thing. Like I don't even, when people ask me like, do I miss meat or do I miss anything? I'm like, I don't miss anything from my old life because my old life had my old life had like 1.0 results. My new life has like 2.0 and 3.0 results. Like why would I want to downgrade my operating system? Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) And I just, uh, I just recorded a, uh, a podcast episode with, uh, Robbie Lockie, the the co-founder of of plant-based news. And we were talking about the same thing and it's just like, it's like the matrix, you know, we, we went back to that. Yeah. It's like taking the one pill of the other and just like exposing yourself. And I think the catalyst for me was, was watching the film earthlings, which is just, uh, it just exposes how animals are, you know, exploited in every way possible. And when I opened myself up to that and it, it was something that I, almost couldn't process at first because i didn't did you know did you know that that happened at all i had no idea and that's the thing and and that's what's so crazy and that's why i understand why people are so resistant to change or they just because they don't don't know know. and and it's it's like Mm -hmm. and even when they do see it sometimes it's like they can't process it because we've been so ingrained to believe that this stuff is okay and I truly was just baffled when I watched it because I didn't, I, I, I could not process that this is what actually went on. And like you said, it's just like, it's like the, the onion, the onion skin, you know, peeling back the layers. And it was like for the first time in my life, it was just like, it was like a light switch just came on. Like all, like the next day after I watched that, I viewed the world in a completely <laughs> different way. Everything, man, I, I'm not kidding you. I, I thought of my interaction amazing, with bro. animals, with humans, with the earth, everything felt more connected. And I felt like all of a sudden I was put and dropped into this new world. And all of a sudden, everyone else around me was just like, almost like these, these robots just kind of moving about. And I was just like, what the fuck? Where am I? You know? And do you, you can, you can see the programming that people run on. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like Neo being able to see like the numbers in the matrix. Like you can literally see you, the code. You literally can, man. And it's just like, it's, it's at no fault to them because I was that person as well. So, yeah. but it's just like, it's just amazing when you actually make that, that breakthrough. And I, and I think it's something that is kind of hard to explain to people who, are not vegan or haven't had a breakthrough like that. They don't understand because it's a first world experience, dude. Like you literally have to like experience it to comprehend. Exactly. And I try to explain this to people. I'm like, you you would have to just like, you have to, uh, yeah, there's really no, there's no words you you can really say, but you know, you know, you know, what's funny, man, is like talking about like that. Like I've had a couple of um, like pro bodybuilders come to me. And some of them were just NPC competitors, but one of them was like a full-on IFBB pro female physique competitor who came like second at Olympia. Wow. 
and I was co- and I was coaching her, and it and it was so beautiful watching her metamorphosis happen because she came to me, and she was prepping for a show, and her coach had her on like a vegetarian diet, but it was just like mega tons of whey protein and right. egg whites, and she got to the point where she was like, "Oh God, like I just can't stand this anymore." Like, do you think you can like help like me veganize this plan? And I'm like, I can veganize that thing in ten <laughs> minutes, and so and so like we veganized the plan for her, and then. I started kind of throwing little things her way of like, hey, check this video out and check this video out. And, you know, like you plant the seeds. And dude, this person had such like a, a beautifully yet painful like metamorphosis. Like it was insane watching her go through the journey because you know what it's like when you're going through that and you're watching someone else go through it. So she goes in there and all of a sudden her bodybuilding is her life, fitness is her life. All she wants to do is win on stage. And then she starts getting into veganism and she cried because she hadn't eaten a strawberry for like 10 years. Like all and, and within the within her coaching realm, they kept her off like wow. all fruit. Like they, you know, they just because of the the macros or whatever they were trying to achieve. And so she had this like liberating feeling with a <laughs> strawberry. And she dude, and it's crazy, bro. And like she said to she said, then she stopped competing. And she was like, you know, it just doesn't feel as important to me anymore. Like, I just, I feel like there's so much in my life that I've missed out on because now I feel like I'm seeing the world like in this different lens and it's amazing. And I don't want the stage to be my, my only thing in yeah. my life. And, um, it was, dude, it was crazy to watch it. Like now she does yoga and she's still in shape, but she does yoga and she does all this other stuff. And she'll, she's like more like, like you'd look at her and you think she's more of right. like a hippie, but Bro, like it just to watch her transformation, and I've seen that happen with other people where it's like once the that Pandora's box is opened, they start making changes in other areas of their life outside of yeah. just their oh, diet. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I've seen it as well. It's it's insane, man. Like it really is, and I think especially uh, especially for the men, you know, because uh, that's that's a big one. Is I I feel like men have this tough exterior shell and they're always wearing a mask and hiding emotions. I mean, that's not everyone obviously, but it's very typical. And when you see those, those transformations with men, it's like, that's even more kind of incredible to watch. And that, that ties right into, you know, the name, uh, of, of your online coaching platform evolving (laughs) alpha. And that's, it's truly, uh, yeah, I, I love that name because it's, it's like, you know, coming from this, this place of, toxic masculinity and then realizing that the true true masculinity and true strength comes from doing the right thing and and standing up uh for what's right despite what others are saying and you know so i've i've seen that transformation in 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 some men and i'm just like that's amazing we need more of that because the the women like you said they're they're already those more empathetic and nurturing (laughs) people i think it's they're already kind of primed right, exactly. for it. <laughs> it's easier for them and and yeah. and for the males unfortunately there's yeah there's all this uh and it, you know and it's funny cuz it, the this discussion about masculinity got brought more to the spotlight i guess with that guy Lewis Howes yeah and his book that the, he wrote the mask Master masculinity, masculinity. Yep. Yeah, and he and he dives into like the various masks around sports and you know different alpha masks that people wear and things like that. And I actually wrote a blog and I actually sent it to him on the hidden mask that I talk about the meat eating mask. And it was a funny thing for him to comprehend because I remember he actually oh, wow. replied to me and he and he actually shared it. 
And I can tell he, that he's the type of guy, like he he's he's conflicted. Like he, the ideas of veganism in his head, like make sense, but there's a lot of underlying emotional kind of connections to food that kind of keep him a little yeah. bit stuck. But I brought up the whole fact that, you know, like meat eating is literally like a, a mask that people wear, like, like, you know, an alpha male mask or like, you know, you see these guys who are like hyper masculine and they're like NFL linebackers and like, they're just not in, they're just, most of them are not connected with their emotional beings. And the, the fact, and I talk about that with that meat eating mask, man, but I think like you were saying, the masculinity thing is a huge part of it. Like, because so many of the bonding experiences that men experience through hunting and fishing involve like, you know, harm to animals. And so from day one, we're taught that that harm to animals is a bonding experience for men. Yeah. And I, and I think also too, like, you know, they need to try to perceive this image of, of looking strong and looking tough. So it's like, you know, they, they go, go out and kill a deer and then they post a picture of it or they, or that's why they're in the gym to have big muscles. And, and it's such bullshit, man. Cause like people look at you and (laughs) you're absolutely jacked and it's just like, you know, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I'm a bit like, you're like, I flip it on its head though. You know, like, I'm like, you know what? Like when everyone sees the shell and they're going to expect one thing, give them the complete opposite. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you look know? at you, you have guys out there like, like you and like Nima Delgado and, and Ryan Nelson and, and so many others that are just yeah. like, you look at them and they're, there's just like these, these monsters of men, just like in the sense of like their physical bodies. I mean, they look like they could just literally tear anyone's head off. And yet they're the most <laughs> compassionate, kind, you know, people and they're living this this vegan lifestyle and, and and standing up for for animals and and uh the environment and and others and it's just like you know like we need more of that we need we need to shake up you know this this stereotype yeah. of of what a man is and and i mean that's why like you know i i was training with nimai um last year and he's coming back down here to train again and you know we had that very discussion man about how like you want to be a weapon of positive change and that everyone has their skill sets. And like, you know, if you can be as strong and as big as possible, if that's your thing, or if you want to be as fit, whatever your thing is, drill down on that thing and become very good at that thing. And so like, we're talking about that in terms of basically evolving the term, what alpha even means and like creating like a a movement of, you know, young men and and older guys and females as well who all kind of rebrand what it even means to be like alpha like you're not just in like a ufc blood sport and you know hunting and fishing it's more it's more like a conscious revolution you know and i think a lot of what one of the things i've started to notice is like a lot of business savvy like successful male entrepreneurs are starting to move more towards like veganism because i can tell that in their head it makes sense on like so many levels because in a way they've already primed themselves for that message through all their personal development growth and so i'm seeing a shift towards that and that those areas are things which is really exciting because a lot of those guys have you know bigger followings and people that they really influence and so um, it's definitely really, man, about re, you know, redefining what people think in society is, you know, as a strong male, you know, and, and recognizing that strength, physical strength isn't 
is a small fraction of it in that, you know, your ability, your ability to stand, your ability to be strong and stand in a minority when you know that something is morally right. That's that's strength strength and leadership. And to me, that's, that's what an alpha is. And I think that 100%, like you said, these people who are in these leadership positions who are gravitating towards veganism, I think more men are going to see that. They're going to see these successful men and slowly but surely over time that that stereotype of of what a man is 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 going to be diminished and there's going to be this new wave of masculinity there's going to be this new wave of evolving alphas 100 percent. totally man totally well to end it man i just want to ask you what may be uh, a piece of advice for anyone who is struggling with mental health issues you know what is what is a couple tips or or one thing that they can kind of take away from this so a couple of things I would say is first off, acknowledge that you are having issues. You know, like a lot of people, especially men, may not acknowledge that there's even a problem. Um, I think the first thing you just need to do is acknowledge to yourself that you need some help. And I think the, the second best thing that you can do is try to find a good counselor or therapist in your area. Um, there's so many other things in terms of just cleaning up your diet, like, you know, going for a plant-based diet, um, getting more sun exposure, getting into the gym and working out. Like there's, there's really a pressure release involved with training that I found very helpful. Um, but I definitely think getting therapy, um, can be very like super helpful. Like that was really what changed my life. Um, and the last thing, like you were saying is volunteer yourself to something bigger than you. You know, I think that it's, it's hard when, you're in the trenches of your own life. You're trying to figure everything out. You have these hopes and dreams, and sometimes you might feel like you're falling short. When you can have something outside of yourself that inspires you to rise up. So, like for for us, for example, like it's veganism. It's sharing this message. It's getting other people on this lifestyle. Having that thing that's bigger than you ultimately is going to be what helps you rise up when you feel like you want to quit. And so, I would say focus on those things. And then the last thing I would just say is focus on, and I know this sounds like corny, but just try to find things in your life that you are thankful for, you know, like, and very often the things that are under your nose that are there every day, like it's like your pets or a family member or the fact, you know, the fact that you have a comfortable bed to sleep in or that you can stand out in the sun and feel the sun on your face. It's those little things that sometimes we need to just slow down and turn off the social media for a second and, drown out the noise with like just quiet time, you know? So yeah, man. Right. I think, I think that's super important is to focus on the little things is like you said, be wake up and find, find one thing that you can be grateful for. It doesn't matter if, if a hundred things are going wrong in your life, find one thing that you can be grateful for. Something maybe that, you know, people in different parts of the world might only dream of having, you know, something like that. And, and then not only that, but focus Focus on the little things. Focus on one step at a time. And it doesn't have to be these these grand leaps forward. You know, through my depression, I, I would wake up in the morning and I would say, okay, I need to achieve one thing today and that's t- to get out of bed. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then the next day, do it yeah. again and then add another thing. You know, wake up and, and yeah. go take a shower. You, you know, like something, something small like that. Yeah, build on build that on because it, um, progress, yeah. progress in any way as a human means moving forward and it means um, 
being satisfied and, and being able to find happiness. You know, when we are, when we're progressing as human beings, it doesn't matter what it is. We, we tend to be happier people. So. Yeah. And you know, like just, just closing, man, like talking about just getting out of bed and just then having a shower, like, um, this amazing guy, Guru Singh, he was even saying, if you can't even muster the energy to get out of bed, just move your hands and feet. Just move your hands and feet, like stimulate your body, move your hands and feet, feel your fingers, you know, allow them to move and start there. Feel, feel your hands and feet and then start to move your arms. You know, like I know that sounds really weird, but like when you think about it, like sometimes you just need to do something, even if it seems so trivial. Where can people find you online, Fraser? So guys, you can find me, uh, Fraser Bailey, F-R-A-S-E-R-B-A-Y-L-E-Y on Facebook, at Fraser Bailey on Instagram, at Evolving Alpha is our main page on Instagram. We're also, if you search Evolving Alpha on Facebook, you'll find us there. And then www.evolvingalpha.com. Awesome. And can't forget about uh, Plant Strong Fitness as well. (laughs) <laughs> ah yes yes and the plant strong and the and the plant strong fitness group on facebook too it's an amazing group guys if you are somebody who is is curious uh about learning more about veganism or you're a seasoned veteran you know um it's a place uh, where you can learn and there's there's no judgment and and fraser and the the amazing moderators they they run a tight ship so there's absolutely never going to be any judgment or arguing going on so uh definitely a safe space for for learning and growing um in the in the plant-based realm so well thank you so much uh for being here man it was awesome to hear your insight about not only mental health but veganism and so many other topics and uh i hope the listeners enjoyed what you have to say and i'm I'm sure they will and uh hope to have you back on the show again sometime down the road thank you man i really appreciate your time brother absolutely all right talk soon hey everyone thank you again for listening That was Fraser Bailey, the former butcher turned vegan bodybuilder. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a rating or review for this show on your podcast streaming platform. More importantly, share this with a friend or loved one so we can all help spread the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.